gosh, I, would, I forgot I even had that in my pack. Yeah, that's exactly the sport, man. I, if Joe flicked my ear, I'd probably kind of come in the forehead. It's Tuesday, everyone, and uh, Frank and I are joined with a very good friend and special guest, Dr. Abby Lara, who just told us everything we're supposed to say behind that, but I can't remember. What's up, Abby? <laughs> good morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. What? So what was that long, drawn out, What, uh, Dr. Abby Lara? Oh, yes. My full title. <laughs> uh, so uh, Dr. Abigail Lara, Associate Professor of Medicine, Department of Medicine, Division of Pulmonary Sciences and Critical Care Medicine and the Marso, Marsco Endowed Chair for Excellence. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was going to say. We were, we were trying to memorize that, but... Yeah, there's two other titles if you want me to add. Yeah, to throw that. them in there, might as well. Yeah, I, so I co-direct the Office of Professional Excellence for the School of Medicine, and I am also a medical director for health equity for our healthcare system. Gotcha. So you've actually been at school longer than Frank's probably been alive. Uh, sadly, yes. Uh, so a little context here, I guess. Uh, so, uh, Abby is Jody, uh, Jody's wife. Jody is the big sexy, which I didn't name. (laughs) That was not my nickname who, uh, attends all of the, uh, the TAC, uh, shows with, with Dana and, and actually is taking those over now that Dana's heading over to Black Rifle. So that's how we, um, got to know Abby. And then Frank, I was on a hunt. You did a podcast with Abby couple years ago about about altitude sickness yeah and uh and i actually haven't listened to to that one but so today we are going to talk more about (laughs) health and and wellness and uh some of the issues i've been uh facing and how abby uh has helped me out with that why are you laughing Because you have a guest on and you haven't even listened to our previous podcast. I ha- well, you know how many Trust. podcasts we do? At least I'm not like live. Like, oh, that was a great podcast. I, I learned so much. It was very informative. Yeah. It, she just, basically told us, Jody and I, because Jody had this a similar he did. He issue had that I did. And uh, she told us how dumb we were and how to fix it. That, so, I mean, actually, that's a good kind of a good point Like where people... There's certain things that get highlighted like altitude sickness mm-hmm. or and, and other things that aren't highlighted as much as they probably should be, which are some of the issues that you've been helping me with. And so I don't get altitude sickness, so I didn't listen to the podcast because <laughs> I don't have never had an issue with it. But Fair other point. other podcasts that like sleep is something you've been um, helping me, you know, work on is trying to get more, uh, you know, a little bit more sleep because I probably for, I don't know, Frank, since you've known me, three to four hours, and then we've got it up to now about uh, six hours, um, and it's getting better. But you have been someone that I've been able to open up to a little bit more with different issues I've had, um, and sleep being one of them. And so I thought it'd be a good idea with the amount of people that have messaged me, which is an ungodly amount because they think they feel comfortable. It's a message of whether it be sleep or anger issues or stress, things that we've brought up on the podcast. One thing that I had brought up a few different times is, um, you know, having a quick uh, a fuse or a temper um, that, you, that you've been helping me with and the amount of people that have messaged back like, hey, what are you doing? Do you have any, you know, I have these problems. And I'm like, well, I'm not a doctor. I just pretend to be one on a podcast. So maybe we should get the real deal on and talk about all these things. So that's, that's why Abby's on here. And we like her. Well, I like you guys too. (laughs) Happy to be here. And she smells good. She wouldn't (laughs) hug me again. I was hoping it'd help my smell. (laughs) Deodorant and shower is going to help. See, there's your first tip of the day. (laughs) 
so informational. Um, <laughs> by the way, this is sponsored by Gillette. Isn't that an old deodorant? Uh, I think that's a shaving cream. Shit. Mm-hmm. What's a deodorant? Old Spice? That's what old you have. Old Spice. Right? Dove. Dove. Brute. <laughs> <laughs> All sorts of stuff out there. Uh, Doc Spartan. <laughs> they make a natural, natural deodorant. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, so the first, um, I don't know what I, I probably contacted you, what, six months ago about sleep? Was that yeah. maybe somewhere in there? About that time frame. Mm-hmm. So I know you probably can't, you know, quantify, you know, obviously everybody's body is different and some people need more than others. But my, my biggest issue is like, I, I haven't had any issues not sleeping that I can see, but I'm, you know, there's obviously I, you know, I sleep more, I have more energy, uh, pretty simple stuff. But my, the long-term effect of when I'm getting into my you know, mid forties now, fifties and sixties, um, you know, I don't want to keel over from, from stress. So that's one of the first things we talked about was me working on sleep. So how, how many people would you say in, in your, I guess your title doesn't have to do with, you're, you're not a sleep expert, but you're knowledgeable in it. Yep. So uh, that's a great point. So pulmonary and critical care specialist um, is as part of my training. I do a lot of sleep training, but I am not a board certified specialist in sleep. That being said, I have a good proportion of my patients that I do take care of that we talk about sleep. So have lots of experience. Gotcha. Well, so actually, does that mean we can send Luke down to you to get rid of his sleep apnea and all that crap? Because he <laughs> sounds like he's dying when he's sleeping. It's like a, it sounds like my great Pyrenees times too. It's loud. Um, I'm happy to see Luke as a patient. <laughs> yeah. If you think I was bad. Uh, so, Sleep, I mean, how many people would you say United States uh, across the board? I mean, kind of seems like an epidemic. Sleep sleep's kind of an issue. Would you say that's true? Absolutely. The vast majority of Americans have reported some trouble in sleep in their adult, um, in their adult life. And unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of younger um, children, I guess teenagers, also having some sleep. A couple of years back, there was a big uh, push to change the time of when Kids would go to high school because we recognize the importance of sleep for high school, um, high school age or teenage kids. But for adults, unfortunately, it is a huge epidemic that doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. I think that's like cultural. Um, People are working more than they probably ever have. And then as we talked about before we started this, blue light, everyone's got a phone in their hand most of the day, sitting at a computer all day, stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. I would say certainly there are societal pressures, there are work pressures. The American lifestyle is all about successes, um, work, 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 do uh, as much as you can because we we build our successes, uh, unfortunately, on uh, material things. And so we are very focused as a society on finances, unfortunately. Um, and, but with that comes a lot of pressures as adults work as hard as you can for as long as you can. And just as you said, Frank, sort of that access, that constant connectivity to our quote unquote smartphones, our computers, the blue light, how it affects our brain um, and changes sort of the, those hormones of that. And along with that, just a lot of stress um, that we are internalizing, that we don't always have the best uh, coping mechanisms, I guess, to um, manage our stress um, and our overall lifestyle as Americans. 
So with, um, you know, some of the things I had talked to you about before I came and saw you were different um, um, possibilities for improvement of sleep from uh, different military friends I've had or people under high stress that have said, hey, try this. One, which I've actually started recording because I didn't want to write it down. One of the first uh, things that made sense to me was, hey, before you go to bed, um, take a hot, like a super hot bath and then get out of the bath and write or lay when you lay down or, or go to get to bed, write down everything, like do a mind dump, everything that you've got to uh, do tomorrow and the next week and just dump all that out on paper or, or drop it out, you know, record it or whatever and get it out of your mind as best as possible. And then there will be a system with that maybe where you pick four things that you're going to do tomorrow and, you know, kind of dump the rest. That was something that you, cause I didn't want to take a bunch of drugs to try to sleep or at least not for the rest of my life. What are some of the things people can, you know, work on? What are some of the different potential things they could take for sleep as, as you know, and I've had people message me, Hey, you need to quit chewing in your sleep or, Hey, you need to do this. And it's like, well, look, I didn't drink caffeine till I was 28. I didn't sleep from 18 to 28, you know, or 19 to 20. I didn't chew until later. Well, no, I've chewed for off and on for a while. Uh, but for, for me, it's my mind. It just never stops running. So what are some of the suggestions you have and some of the problems you see different problems that people have other than just obviously point blank, not sleeping. There's pharmacologic and non-pharmacologic intervention. So pharmacologic, i.e. medications. Um, Frank, and, will you spell that? And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a pH. F-A-R. Logic. Pharm. Can I draw pictures? Sorry, go ahead. Pictures, please. Certainly not on this podcast. draw pharm and then like somebody like logic. Pharmacologic. Anyway, go ahead. So there are prescribed medications that uh, we can recommend. There are medications that are over the counter. Um, and then, of course, there's the non-medication or non-pharmacologic approaches to sleep. So when, I, um, when I'm thinking about somebody who's having challenges with sleep, I want to try to understand sort of what their overall lifestyle is. Are they exercising? Um, and what sort of exercise do they do time of day? Just as you alluded to, how much caffeine do people ingest and when do they um, ingest the caffeine or other stimulants um, when they ingest those stimulants? How long have they suffered from sleep? Is it chronic or is it situational or acute? Um, what sort of job do they have or what sort of life pressures are they currently experiencing that could be influencing their sleep? So try to take a very sort of overall or holistic approach, then in thinking about sleep, when we think about um, what do we do or what we make the recommendations for, it, to a degree, it's individualized. It's not one, um, one size fits all. So for you, Erin, you didn't want to start with um, pharmacologic approaches, and you had had a lot of different experiences. And so there is, to start with where uh, what you mentioned, that sort of brain dump, um, I hear time and again people are unable to shut off their brains at night and they just continuously think about their next day or their day at work, et cetera. And so, Five fingers of whiskey and some gummies <laughs> will definitely slow mine down. So, it, uh, so to get to that point, because I think it's important, <laughs> you're absolutely right. It will slow down your brain. It will Five relax you. Five fingers of whiskey. What is that? Uh, um, 12 uh, ounces. Five, uh, it's a lot. It's a anyway, lot. we'll talk about that in a quarter moment. of an algae. Uh, <laughs> um, 
alcohol does slow down your brain. It does relax you. It's a muscle relaxant. So it will allow you to go back, uh, go to sleep easier, but it actually has a paradoxical effect or a re- reverse effect. It wakes you up in the middle of the night. So it will actually stimulate your brain and so wake you up. So That's when- why you throw in the gummies. <laughs> You take you take the alcohol to fall asleep, and then the, the gummies, gummies keep you asleep. Yes, uh, just so that uh, your your listeners are aware, in the state of Colorado, um, marijuana is legal. Uh, but I do not, uh, I, I cannot endorse that as a first start for treatment. That was Mike Hearn. Mm-hmm. Got to blame him on those. Oh, Hearn. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, so Doing strategies to try to shut down your brain, so uh, sort of offload your brain. So writing down your week, preparing for your week on Sunday um, or the night before, writing down things that are highly stressful. Yes, that could be one strategy that people have used. Other strategies that you alluded to, taking a hot bath. So what does hot bath do? So it's a couple of things. Number one, it relaxes you. It does, um, it's vasodilation, so it relaxes you, relaxes your muscles. Then as you get out of the hot bath, your body temperature decreases. And when your body temperature decreases, your brain hormones change. And so you're able to fall asleep um, quicker because you are more relaxed. So, Have you been taking baths? Bubble baths. <laughs> Lavender scented. So um, what about like sauna and stuff? Does that, is, is that have anything to do? Would that be another option? Yeah, so saunas and hot tubs sort of similar, um, similar, similar idea. It raises your body temperature. If you do it at night, raises your body temperature, relaxes you. Then when you get out and you're getting ready for bed, um, it decreases your body temperature, sets you up for, uh, for sleep. Other strategies that I always recommend for everyone is to shut off the TV. If you have a TV in your bedroom, remove it. No access to your computer, no access to your phone, a minimum of two hours before bedtime because it decreases um, decreases the stimulus to your brain and decreases your the blue light effects um, on your brain. And it just also allows you to relax. If you wake up in the middle of the night, and this is something that um, happens uh, quite a bit to people, is that if you have your phone next to your bed, next to your pillow, on your nightstand, leave it there. If you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, you shouldn't be grabbing your phone to see what your email is. Um, That's been baby steps for me, so that one I've got accomplished. I can not look at it, and I shut it off in the middle of the night. Um, I, I, I think it's, so like when we're in B.C. and I don't have cell service, like with Lander, I slept good. In the NWT, no cell service, I slept good, no, no stress. But whether that phone is on or, or not, it, for me, it's thinking about what might be on the phone. <laughs> and then I, you know, so it's hard to, for my brain to not run the moment that I, that I wake up. And that, that's the biggest problem I have is not going to bed. I fall asleep in 15 seconds, 30, I mean, under a minute, which is, I guess, unhealthy as well. But then at two in the morning, the dogs bark or I get up to pee, it's going back to bed. Um, I've got about a four hour cycle where I get up no matter what. So that's been my issue is p- making my brain stop the moment I wake up. So there were two things that were um, unique to Aaron, not necessarily unique from a medical perspective, but number one was the length of time that you've suffered with difficulties with sleep. So you have maintenance sleep issues. You don't have initiation sleep issues. You can 
fall asleep easily, but you wake up easily. And then when you wake up, you are wide awake. Um, the second aspect that is unique to you, Aaron, as an individual is your commitment to education and access to providing that education to quite literally anyone who asks you a question. And you were always available and similar to Frank and similar to, I mean, that's part of the mission of, of Kafaro is to provide education to um, those who are interested in hunting and backcountry lifestyles. And so having that constant access and having that, um, what I would say is a, a, a pressure, if you will, to provide that access to education. Um, we, we needed to start talking about what are those boundaries and reasonable boundaries so that way when you were... Um, I was far into the unreasonable boundary section. In fact, she had had a few beers in her and I wouldn't get off my phone and you kept stabbing me in the side with your fingernail. And I'm like, no, no, I can't not answer these. And you're like, why? And it was, they would back up or build up and then I would stress about that. And I mean, it was, it's not a, a great cycle by any stretch. So just to clarify, it wasn't beer. What was it? White wine? It was no babe, rosé, sparkling rosé. It's summertime. She's a, she's a classy woman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were at TAC, but I think the more we've hung out, the more you're probably stressed out about how I am handling my own personal <laughs> lifestyle. Because on the phone, like I, it wasn't a Q&A. I just get about a question a minute throughout the day or every, yeah, every two to five minutes I get, or every minute to five minutes I get a question. And it was eight o'clock at night and I'm on the phone answering questions and uh you were like just put it down and i'm like well then i'll never get caught up tomorrow and so it's that decision of do i just not answer and get behind and you know leave it alone and hopefully at a certain point we'll have enough info on the the kafaro cast youtube page that i can just say quickly or, or if mckenzie helps me out you know check out the kafaro cast youtube page where i'm not answering you know, what headlamp someone should buy or what, you know, whatever. I think it's just uncommon for someone of your stature, I suppose, I guess you'd say, to, to engage everyone. I think once a lot of people get to a certain point, they stop engaging or giving people that access. So I think you're kind of a unique oh, example. Yeah. Um, well, I just, and I don't, now I feel obligated, right? Like, you know what, I've talked about this. It's hard for me to not... I mean, and, and definitely some of the, I have been painted as a, an a-hole by some, probably rightfully so. But overall, um, you know, I feel obligated to, to help people because, as you know, starting, you don't get a lot of help or good help at times where I feel you and I, Frank and I, uh, give good help, good advice. And usually people are sponsored or have a dog in the fight where Frank and I just give good info out that doesn't, there's no monetary gain from it. The problem at this point, the bigger I'm getting, the more of a monster it's it's become, and then I feel obligated, and, and it's hard to shut it off. And so between that and work and, you know, and quite honestly, just hunting, like I get excited about our, our deer hunt. So the other night I couldn't sleep because I'm like thinking of all these different approaches and things I need to work on and gear, and I'm like, I don't even pack, but like two days before we leave, you're worse than I am. Like, what am I worried about? We do this for a living. Like, there's nothing to stress over. This is one thing I'm good at. But it's still making my mind run. Like, well, I think that's an important point, though. That's excitement. You are excited about the idea of going on a muley deer hunt. There is a difference between 
staying up in the middle of the night. We're going to make a like, t-shirt no. for you that says muley deer. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> she's always called <laughs> it, she's called it a muley uh, deer. That's good. Yeah, I, I really yeah. have. I really have. That's it's a muley deer. Yeah. It's a muley deer. They're so cute. <laughs> um. uh, and so there's a difference between being excited about your muley hunt <laughs> versus Staying up in the middle of the night because you're stressed about a situation at work or stressed about some other situation. Right? So there's there's different processes and different approaches and different sort of emotions that come with that. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, well, and I don't know, like f- we don't, Frank and I don't hang out like after work that often. More, Well, mostly I, I moved one and, t- and Frank won't drive to come see me, you son of a, no, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I don't know how much are you, you sleep fairly good, don't you? I've never had problems with sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can fall asleep in like fucking 15 minutes, dude. It, Jody. And it's, it's <laughs> I just think some people are wired that way and some, some aren't. And I mean, in reality, I barely graduated. I, I'm not exactly equipped to be in the position that I'm that I'm in, which Frank helps out a ton with that because he is a much better adult than I am. But you still stress, right? You still stress over all, all kinds think, of stuff. I think one thing I've noticed, though, is what I know when I'm not going to sleep. So Sunday, Sunday nights, I can never fall asleep because sometimes on Sundays, I'll sleep in an extra hour or two. Days I don't work out, I can have trouble falling asleep. If I ever decided, if I decide to take a nap during the day, yes, I'll be rested after that nap, but that night I'm not going to be able to fall asleep. So there's certain things that I know that are going to affect my sleep that night. So I try to adjust so that I do. So yeah, working out is pretty huge. So if I, if I say I take a rest day or something like that, then I'll probably have a little bit of trouble falling asleep. And in, in the, the issue I have, and, and just to, so people kind of under, as people are listening in, some people are going to be like, oh, I'm just like Frank, or I'm just like Aaron, or Jody, or whoever. I work out, like yesterday I did 12 miles on the bike, I lifted, I ran the dogs, and I just fell asleep quicker. <laughs> I didn't sleep any longer. <laughs> I just, like, literally, I hit the the pillow and I was done. But sure as shit, the dogs barked at two in the morning, I get up and I'm playing with the dogs and trying to get them on the couch, and then I'm... 2.30 laying back in bed thinking, good Lord, I hope I go back to sleep, which I luckily I did. I woke up at, and Frank, like I've never used an alarm like you've seen. I don't need one. And so there's times that I'll come into work at 5, and there's other times I'll come in. Like yesterday I came in at what, 6.30? Yeah, 6.30 because I, I did sleep a little bit. And then the anyway, the bears were in the garbage. So I had to pick that shit up. But if I wake up at 2 or 3, it's I have to really focus on not, I, I have to try to dull my my brain and you gave me a thing that's almost like like i wouldn't call it biofeedback but like it's a light i watch and breathe to the rhythm of it but what's funny with my brain is then if i don't really concentrate on just the light and i don't like if i start to drift and when i say drift meaning other thoughts i'm fucked i'm not going back to bed so i really have to focus on just breathing and i've tried everything you know people are like you need to take magnesium i'm like oh why didn't i think of that i did and i shit like a goose and i didn't fuck sleep or try melatonin and it's not and, and i mean abby you would know more if i'm drinking literally the equivalent of eight to ten ounces of of whiskey and taking 20 milligrams of gummies to sleep i'm a little bit different than some because if it takes that much and i still have trouble hitting six six and a half hours there's obviously a lot more in-depth issues it's not just as simple as there's it's like taking diet advice from somebody that's a stick figure it's like you've never been fat dickhead like you know <laughs> so i've had 
experts try to help me with sleeping that have no issue with sleeping. And I'm like, well, you're not understanding the problem here. If it was that simple, I'd be sleeping, you fucking dickhead. Like, I understand the concept of what you're saying, but my brain doesn't work that way. And it's hard to, what you're doing, I mean, obviously I've opened up to you a lot, helping kind of reinvent the wheel with me, but it's still, it's, it's difficult. And I have a ton of people that message me about sleep. Um, and I'm like, look, I'm all fucked up. How am I supposed to help you? Like, I can tell you what people tell me to do, but I'm not exactly executing it. I'm trying. So, so I guess a couple of things. So the current recommendations for the amount of sleep that people should get for a quote-unquote healthy lifestyle is anywhere from seven to eight hours on average. That's not, um, that's not to say that, Frank, you need seven hours versus Aaron who needs 12 hours. Everyone is going to be able to function at a different level. Um, so the average amount is seven hours, but it's the quality of sleep. So I know people who can, who only sleep four hours, but their quality of sleep is fantastic and they're able to function at a really high level. Frank, you raised a really important point. You have great insight and body awareness. You know when you're not going to be, you know the things that are going to affect your sleep, so you will adjust. Nerd. That's really important. <laughs> That's self-awareness. Aaron, <laughs> I'm aware that I'm just not going to sleep is the problem. I'm, I'm very aware I never sleep. But, uh, but that's also a really important point. The reason why I gave you that, that light, it is biofeedback because you were so aware and you were hyper aware and hyper focused that at 2.30 in the morning, and this happens, I, I will certainly say we've talked about this. I've had trouble sleeping for the majority of my adult life, uh, adult life as well, but in the middle of the night when you're waking up and your brain cannot shut off, it's focusing on something so that it doesn't allow your brain to drift into thoughts and ideas. So for, your, for people who are interested, it is a light that, um, it's a blue light looks at, um, that shines on the ceiling and it sort of fades in size and intensity and you are supposed to uh, parallel your breathing pattern to that, but you focus on the light, you focus on um, belly breathing, and it does relax all sorts of body. Um, you're yawning. See, it's actually listening to me describing it. It works, Aaron. <laughs> works. Oh, that's funny. Um, um, so gone. it's helpful in that fashion, but being hyper-focused on um, being awake in the middle of the night can actually cause you not to go back to sleep. Yeah, yeah, that's happening. All of the above. Like, you know, the Amy laughs because every night I'm like, man, hopefully I get some good sleep tonight. And like literally, it's like Groundhog's Day, I say, and she she laughs because I, I hardly ever get. I've slept seven hours probably twice in the last five years, um, I would say, and normally it's between five and six. Um, so are naps a good idea? Like when you're tired, should you try and sleep whenever you can if you're having issues sleeping at night? Or should you try to stay awake to sleep? But because I've started to nap, so I'm like, okay, if I can get sleep, I'm going to take it where I can get it. Um, even if we're on the mountain, like a lot of times midday, if I'm tired, I'll go get in the shade and try to rack out for 30, 40 minutes and at least help my body recover. I've had people tell me that's a bad idea because you won't sleep as good at night. And I'm like, well, I don't sleep worth the fuck at night anyway. That makes no <laughs> sense. Like if I'm only sleeping no matter what, four to six hours, whether I nap or not, why wouldn't I nap? So is that What's your advice, I guess, on that? Yeah, so I guess I, I would say it depends. For Frank, he's able to sleep throughout the night. He knows that if he takes a nap, he's going to have more difficulty sleep. 
for you if you're not sleeping uh, sufficient and uh, in-depth enough sleep for you to feel rested. I'm all for people to take naps, particularly if they're not going to be functioning well, um, either at your job or whatever responsibilities you have. But it's the length of time that you're sleeping or you're napping that's important. So the quote-unquote cat nap, 20 to 30 minutes, that's the optimal amount of time that you should nap. Anything more than that, you are going to affect your sleep cycle at night. Gotcha. And that's usually, that's it. Every now and then I'll be zoinked enough and maybe, you know, we'll handle something at work that was a stress off my shoulders and I'll sleep for an hour. That doesn't happen very often, but usually it's about 30 minutes, um, sometimes less, but it doesn't affect my sleep. It's equally shitty. I mean, it doesn't really affect it at night, but I, I do know, I, I, to me, it seems like six hours and I'm, I'm pretty good to go. Like I'm, I'm, if I get six hours solid of sleep, um, I'm pretty good. If I, if I hit seven, I'm almost tired the next day. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why that is, but I, the few times I've slept seven hours, I was kind of groggy the next day. Why is that? Just body's not used to it. Your body isn't used to it. And your sweet spot for effectiveness for sleep is six hours. Yeah. And so, um, if you sleep too much, just there's a, just, the, the changes in hormones, I guess, in your brain and how you function and how you wake up um, can be affected. It's not good. It's not bad. It just is. And so everyone has their own, as I said, sort of own um, sweet spot for the amount of t uh, sleep that they need to get. Not necessarily the length of time, but it's the quality of sleep. Most people do wake up at least once, if not twice at night for a variety of different reasons. And if you were to wear a a, a smart watch that has those sleep functions, you can actually see the number of times you wake up. They're not as high quality as if you would get a sleep study. Like it sounds like uh, Luke probably needs to come in and have a sleep study done. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, which is a quick segue into something else. When you meet with a healthcare professional, there are sort of stress-related reasons why people don't sleep, chronicity, but there's also medical reasons why people don't sleep. And sleep apneas um, are a medical reason. They're medical syndromes why people don't sleep or sleep well. So obstructive sleep apnea, central sleep apnea, et cetera, et cetera. And so those are important to um, have people evaluated for, and there can be interventions. The sleep quality that we're talking about, or sleep issues that we're talking about here, are more related to the stressors that um, most people will experience in everyday life. Gotcha. So... Um <laughs> talking with the when you're talking about the stress and in, in, in sleep and in the different uh issues from from day-to-day -day life so like with me six hours is seems to be okay um and not saying everybody should sleep six hours um I, when like i rogan had a guy somebody on uh where they talked about you shouldn't take anything to sleep, um, meaning I shouldn't take gummies or tradnazone or whatever that, or what was some of the other things? Trazodone. Trazodone. And Mertazepine. Yeah, all that. So I get that, right? But I, if I don't, I'm not going to sleep much if I don't take something at this point, which you had said will just work weaning off of, of that. And And I don't want to be addicted to something to try and sleep, but what's worse not sleeping or taking something to try and get your body, you, you know, cause for me, it's like a, a clock for four hours. I'm going to get up. Does it, does it like skip your, your REM sleep with so, certain things? Not from what my watch 
has said when I when I say that this is a clinical study of one redneck. Um, <laughs> My watch said no. Yeah, uh, that I get the same amount of REM sleep. Regard if I sleep four hours, I have a high level of REM sleep uh, and deep sleep. So it does REM, but it's only for four hours. So it's not. Like well, when I say that meaning, it'll say, and I say a high level. I'm talking out my ass, a high level for me. But it'll say that I had two hours and ten minutes of deep sleep, and then fifty-eight minutes of REM sleep, and the others, whatever the hell they call it. I don't know if that's good or bad. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but it doesn't matter if I take taking it. It lets me go back to bed, whatever. Like if I take gummies or the tradnazone or whatever, it lets me, when I wake up, my mind is calm and I go back to bed. That four hours, it doesn't make a shit of difference what I do. It's about the same every time. It's the fact that I can go back to bed is what that helped because my mind's calm. Now, I'm half zombied out, stumbling down to get the dogs to shut up if they're barking at a bear, but I can go back to bed where if I don't take that stuff... I'm not going back to bed. I'm going down to build arrows or fuck with my gear, or answer emails where now I can lay there and within 20 minutes, I'll usually fall back asleep for another hour or two. I don't know that any of that is good, but I am at least getting more sleep. So the, and I'm funnier. The, um, <laughs> mm, uh, no comment on Debatable. that one. Yeah, no comment well, on that I'm one. goofier. How's that? Okay. okay. I sing more. Most people take about 15 to 20 minutes to fall asleep. So the mm-hmm. fact that you're takes that, that long for you, um, that's average for most people. To answer your question, Frank, do those medications or do certain types of things that you take for sleep, can it mess with your REM? Absolutely. Um, the quality of sleep, alcohol is one. It's notorious for totally messing up your sleep. Um, the lay off the whiskey? Lay off the whiskey, okay. especially the five fingers of whiskey. That's a lot of whiskey. I have a lot of time to catch up. I didn't drink for like uh, 20 years. So. Yeah. Oh, right. Let's not start now. Let's not start now. Um, you know, the, the guy that you mentioned on Joe Rogan, I suspect that the reason why he said don't take anything is that optimally, if you're able to manage your lifestyle well, you shouldn't have to take any interventions for sleep, irrespective of what they are. If it's, you know, hormonal stuff or natural stuff like melatonin or there's all sorts of different herbal medications that people can sleep uh, can use for sleep optimally in a perfect world you shouldn't have to take things but is it more important to get quality sleep for long-term health yes what we know people who are chronically uh, are chronic insomniacs um, tremendous amount of stress on the body so long-term effects we talked about this a little bit you know 20 30 years down the road we're we're talking high blood pressure, kidney disease, heart disease. Um, it's, it's been implicated and associated with dementia, all sorts of... Uh, all sorts That's of my really problem, Frank. Dementia? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's mostly because you just ignore stuff. Yeah, it is, because I can remember things that are important to me, like a photographic memory, but then other things, like my wife's birthday, I fucked that up. Now, you could ask me four million outdoor survival You were just questions. testing her to see if she would remind you. She didn't. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank God for Facebook. I won't forget that ever again. Uh, Till next you, year. You mean you just forgot this past week? No, no. I, no, I've only forgot. It was two years, three oh, years right. ago. I forgot. <clears throat> she, it, I mean, obviously it's my fault. I forgot. But like things like that are not hype. Like our anniversary, I'll remember that. But it, she was on the phone with somebody 
the night of her birthday and something came up about a birthday and I'm like, whose birthday is it? And she was like, it, it's mine. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me? And she didn't want to tell me because, you know, I'd feel bad, which I did. I felt horrible. Um, so but, she, she waited right before you're going to go to bed and then you couldn't fucking sleep. So one of the things I've, I've learned with seeing different specialists is the file cabinet or how the file cabinet in your brain works or and as i say this <laughs> i'm repeating shit i'm trying to remember but when people get ptsd which i i don't have but the bad things are filed up front and you're working on refiling your system whether that be sleep that may be or or getting bad things out of your mind or whatever um am i explaining this worth a shit um well my filing cabinets fucked up and so there are things I can repeat a movie, a song, uh, the RE factor of explosives, but then there's other things because of how I'm, my filing cabinet works that are filed way in the fucking back. And there's other things that are important to me that are filed up front. What have we found, which will change over in a minute, one of the reasons I have a, a bit of an anger problem at times is my filing cabinet. And we'll, we'll talk to about that in a minute, but... Do you want to explain how the filing cabinet system works? That's what was explained to me by a neuropsychologist, um, was the filing cabinet system of the brain. Yeah, so, uh, so, so it's a really interesting analogy. Uh, so when you think about a filing cabinet, right? So maybe the way that... The, I don't use them personally. Your filing oh. cabinet. <laughs> the, uh, again, something I think we've talked about, organization yeah. uh, for you and boundaries for sleep. Yeah. Yeah, organization, calendaring things. Remember that mm -hmm. conversation? Okay. So the filing cabinet, um, the filing cabinet, basically it, the analogy is what are your life experiences? Mm -hmm. right? So what are your life experiences that you have had? What is your life lived? Things that you've experienced that are impactful to you, whether or not you know them front of mind, they are impactful and they are placed into an ordering system or a filing cabinet system. So like when I saw Frank naked with a bowl of jello, that got filed up front. What? That got filed up front. <laughs> that yes. must have been one of your weird gummy dreams. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is an example. Hypothetical. Uh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> this conversation's going downhill fast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the, so your life experiences, whether or not you understand them to be impactful at the time, are placed into a system in your brain, and they will get pulled out um, at certain, uh, certain triggers, if you will, certain experiences that will remind you of an event that happened, that file will get pulled up, and you will respond and or react to that uh, that event that's happening in your current time frame based on what your brain has experienced and filed five years ago last week 25 years ago so so that could go for anything not necessarily anger but just yeah a smell will bring up a memory from when you're a kid or something well, right? exactly right this yeah. was something so before we start talking about the filing cabinet and, and anger issues. Um, I want to make sure, th throw some context into this, that um, because of the internet and we kind of eat our own at times, mm -hmm. one of the things that has been, because I have brought up on podcasts, like ones we've done, where I, I have um, a temper. And it's not that 
I mean, Frank, how long have you known me? I guess, what, six years now? Seven years. Seven years. How, how many times have you seen me lose it? <laughs> Probably like five. Yeah. So, and I would say that's once or twice a year. We've talked about that. And you've never actually seen me really lose it like other people have. But there is certain, as a, as a, as a, as a man, and when I say this, meaning not, I'm not comparing men to women, but men generally, Bill Burr brought up something on a skit he did, which I was laughing. The reason why men die at 45 of a heart attack is they have compressed all these emotions <laughs> that they haven't been able to let out, like hug a puppy. You remember that skit? Because, you know, you get, remember, you, he wants bananas in his pancakes, right? And all his <laughs> friends are making fun of him. It is difficult for men in general to talk about, in, including me. Anything. Well, at uh, Cody's wedding, his uh, best man's speech, he was like, I, I knew Cody loved Emily when he came to me and he told me um, how he felt about her. And he's like, actually, none of that happened because <laughs> men don't talk about their feelings. <laughs> well, that's the first thing. Cody came up to me at the wedding and goes, if you tell anybody I cried this much, I'm going to shoot you. And I was like, I told him, I was like, dude, I got choked up. I was like, I wasn't shedding tears, but it was, it was a cool wedding. And men in general, and I'm not... Well, I am stereotyping 100%. Men have, I mean, if Frank wears a funny pair of shoes coming in or whatever, we're going to make fun of each other. The, the, <laughs> the problem with, be, uh, how am I trying to put this, that people understand the amount of, from me bringing up me having a temper, the amount of people that messaged me was why you're on here. The main reason was sleep's important, obviously, but... There was a lot of people probably having maybe a little bit deeper issues that were asking me, mm -hmm. how am I handling these and what are the issues? And so at the risk of me getting a bunch of hate mail about I'm a roided out hate monster or whatever, I thought it'd be good to talk about it because you're the first person I've really opened up to about some of the issues that you were able to dissect. And I didn't even realize that we were sitting in your office and we started talking about my childhood and I immediately was like... And I started holding my arms and she's like, you can't even like you explained it. You're like, you immediately tensed up about my, my childhood. And as I say this, my mom is a rock star. I love my mom to death. It wasn't any issues that I was with my dad. And so I had had a bit of a freak out moment where I was screaming horrible shit at somebody on the phone on the 4th of July. And you had said, Aaron, you had stopped me and said, Aaron, think about what, what triggers this. You're protective of women, of your friends and family, and when you're hurt. And I'd really never put the hurt portion in there. And when I say I'm hurt, being how I was raised, which wasn't good, when someone, which I'm going to not try not to mention too many names, that I have considered a friend and somebody I'd helped and had a, as weird as this is to say, a, an emotional connection to, and they hurt me or do me or the company wrong in some way, I potentially could black out, um, which I did in my current and a bunch of people were in the house. It was awkward as shit because I'm screaming at this dude on the phone. And I told you that and you started to break things down, which really is, you'd think I would have figured that shit out earlier in life at not at 44, 45. But do you want to talk a little bit about some of that? Yeah. Uh, yes. Thank you. So, a couple of things. Number one, in regard to anger, everybody has anger as an emotion. Um, whatever, <laughs> whatever pronoun you use, right? <laughs> Male, female, etc. Right? Um, anger is an emotion that we all have. How we handle it or how we control it uh, is based 
on what your life experiences have been. And so as, as we've talked over time, yes, we, all, we started talking about sleep and just sort of health in general because you're a very curious individual and you understand the knowledge is power. So understanding more about medicine and health helps to inform you and in how you live your lifestyle. When we started talking a little bit about um, the, the anger in your, and the concerns that you have that you, you react more than respond um, when you are having that particular emotion, and I'm going to call it emotion because anger is an emotion. It's not, having emotions is not a bad thing. Um, but in thinking about that, it is, we'll relate this back to your filing cabinet. Your filing cabinet from 10, 20, 30 years ago, or anyone's filing cabinet, depending on um, your, your, your age, if there is an event that's very stressful to you, that quote-unquote triggers a memory, you've built up a response system. It's a coping mechanism. Um, and when, when I saw you in clinic and we were talking about stress and we were talking about situations, when you, it was, it was the nonverbals. Mm-hmm. So, yes, your body language, your arms crossed your chest, and you were, you were grabbing your forearms so tightly that when you released, you left imprints on your forearms. Mm-hmm. But that, to me, was a nonverbal of there is an emotional response. You might not remember what memory it was. You might not know what memory it was that triggered that response, but it was there. And to acknowledge that um, was, I think, really, really important. Everyone has it was those weird sort of because it was a huge talking about it was like it, at the risk of getting a bunch of memes about me, I got choked up talking and I was telling Amy this because like when we were talking about it I had never really opened up and so I was I don't know how well I hit it but I was like okay there's some deep seated shit going on here because in my my mind as I'm telling you like hey this happened when I was younger and th- and I'm like obviously maybe like a boiling pot ready to you know, yeah. roll over that I hadn't let the lid off for a long time. And so when, I didn't even realize I was squeezing. She's like, look at you, you're, you're tense. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And so then I kind of had opened up a little bit more and, and to put context into this so people understand and please understand the only reason why we're talking about this is I do want people to hopefully take something from this. And if you're in a position like this to, to help you, because it's helped me a lot and, and we just kind of got going was there was a guy and he's a good friend he, and he literally was just at my house yet day before yesterday after all this happened. This is a guy that I've done a lot of favors for. He's, he was somebody I considered a friend. I talked to him many times, helped him out with hunting spots and he had done a few things that I did not take very well, which were what I took as a threat to the company, disrespect to me. And the way I looked at it was, you're going to call me about what bootlaces to buy or what headlamp, but you're not going to call me for this other stuff. And some of it was taken out of context and uh, we should have communicated better, but the bottom line, I lost it, right? I mean, I, 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 I got super, because I'm very defensive of the company and you were like, well, that, did that hurt you? You're asking me these questions, which is, as you can imagine, awkward. You're more fucking awkward about this shit than I am. You're not very good at talking about your feelings either, meaning Frank. <laughs> you just don't have the anger behind it. But she's asking me these questions, and I was like, yeah, I guess it, it, it hurt me. Like that, yes, that, as weird as that is to say, and we've had other people here that have screwed us that I 
will say violently would react in the wrong situation because it hurt me. And you brought up my childhood, which I never really, you know, one of the reasons I'm so defensive of kids and women was my childhood. How to control that? You're like, you need to get a safe word. And I'm like, like peanut butter or what? You're like, it's got to be one syllable. And when you know you're about to lose it, because I do, this is going to sound horrible talking about this. I do black out. I cannot really remember now, this doesn't happen weekly, right? This is once a year or something. This will happen. Um, I can't really remember. You, Frank's smiling. What are you thinking, Frank? Oh, I'm listening. <laughs> well, we had, I'm going to throw a couple other stories in so people, I was at Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear with our friend, um, a guy that had screwed us over and, and I, the guy is in Rocky Mountain, and I see he's there, and I have the wherewithal that I'm going to lose it. And so I, I leave, and I'm on the way out. He goes and says, hey, I'd like to hash things out with you. And I said, there's nothing to hash out. Do not. I was smart as well. I wasn't that smart. I came back in the fucking building. But I, I'm like, okay, there's nothing to hash out, dude. Don't follow me out the door. We're, we have nothing to talk about. This was somebody we had helped and supported, gave him the benefit of the doubt, and kind of had screwed us and copied some of our designs make it out to the truck i put my my bow in the back and uh i'm tapping my head on the window not like violently but i'm like get in the truck get in the truck just get in the truck and i fucking couldn't get it in the truck and i flew back in and i felt well you heard about this but i felt tom clum has never seen me anything but positive and happy and that poor fucker was standing there and i i lose it on this guy at a level i'm glad he just didn't do anything back and Tom is like looking to, for something to hit me with because I'm, it had bothered me that much with that guy. And I'd never been able, I was just thought I was defensive of the company, but you had the protection and the things like that of my childhood that I had to deal with. Well, I'm like, look, Abby, I'm like three words away from manslaughter. Like we have got to work on this to where I don't, I can at least control it. And I have had Rex Wolfman, Rex, I hope you don't mind me bringing your name up. He had messaged me and has the same exact issue I do. And he said, man, when I lose it, I, I can't even remember what happened. And my first response before I started talking to you, I'm like, dude, me having this ability to block anything out will, will keep you alive in certain situations. I mean, it is a, I thought, I said, this, it is a survival instinct that could potentially help you. But I'm like, it's not good. I mean, and he ripped a, I think he ripped a freezer door off. Uh, or something he's telling me and I'm like yeah dude I've been there I was like I've I've lost it now I've never obviously I'm very defensive of women and kids it's not like it's directed at you know like when it happens when you I can't I literally black out and that was my biggest issue was no offense Frank Frank's probably not going to be able to stop me or even potentially Frank and Jody Luke might be able to stop me or if you hit me with something but when I lose it that bad, it happened once with somebody that was with Amy driving and but anyway, and it was one of those deals. I was so worried about Amy. I, I lost it. And I'm like, okay, in the position I'm in with the company, and <laughs> like, I really need to get my head wrapped around this and, and, and you're helping me with that. So well, do you have anything else you want to dive into on that? Yeah, I guess, uh, I guess a couple of things. Um, so it's important to emphasize I'm a pulmonary and critical care specialist. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a, a, a psychiatrist. Um, but a lot of the, my training and background does allow me to 
to not only identify issues, but um, come up with some strategies to help. Um, there's, um, yeah, I won't go on the list of other training that I've done that helps to inform uh, some of the advice that I've given you, some of the strategies that you can utilize. And one thing that I recognized about you, Erin, and I also recognize about, you know, Jody very early on and a lot of Jody's um, friends is there is an element of trust and loyalty um, that is built upon experiences with each other. And so to get, because um, I do want to touch upon that safe word, because I think it's important. You have that recognition of when you're going to lose your temper. And so the idea of a safe word is you needed to share that safe word with people that you <laughs> trusted. Um, and it is a signal to them Rumble to get you. No, it's one <laughs> syllable. We had this conversation um, to get you out of that situation or to distract you in some way. Because if they get to a point where they need to physically intervene, that's it's too late. Uh, so that's the thought process behind the safe word. The second aspect of, you know, in regard to people blacking out, um, people can, it's a defense mechanism mm -hmm. that your brain creates. So that way you don't remember highly stressful situations. So I, I read a lot about that after you talked about it. And one was blocking out my childhood. And that made sense from what you had told me was as a, as a kid, um, there's certain, my, um, at the risk of my mom screaming at dad was an alcoholic and, and when he drank, he was quite, um, violent and, you know, from a young age, him drinking and driving and, and, and I'm a lot of other crazy shit that I probably, that was my defense mechanism was, was that or, or built up or whatever was the ability to, um, I, I guess go to a numb area, a void. Um, and it, and I say this, please, pe people listening in, keep in mind we're we're talking about this so people are having issues. I, I don't. Abby is the one helping me. I, I appreciate people messaging me with different remedies, but um, uh, this is to help people if they need to talk. By all means, message me or whatever else. But one of the things that was interesting because because this is the world we live in was. I'm, I'm roided out. That was one of the comical <laughs> things. And I'm like, technically I was much worse when I didn't get on TRT because was one of the things Jessica brought up. My levels are off because my testosterone was low from, from head injuries. And that makes it worse. You sleep less and your chemical levels are off and you're obviously more grouchy when you're not sleeping. And mm -hmm. so the, the, the TRT actually helped um, be, because my levels are back to normal now. But the way the world is, which I can totally, we eat our own. So nobody's going to want to talk about this shit. Us doing this podcast, as you can probably imagine, I'm going to get all kinds of weird, there'll be memes of me and a roid monster or whatever. But the reality is, is once or twice a year, I lose it. And I have told, as you've probably heard people, the one guy that used to come in the morning, get free shit and then screwed us over. I said, dude, when you see me on the street, walk away. That's not a threat. That's a, I might black out and break your fucking arm. So please don't come in a year then tell me you feel bad about screwing me over because i'm we very well aware of what could potentially happen as i say that it's not very easy for guys to talk about any of that <laughs> <laughs> well i think it's because so it's a couple of things you sort of alluded to it earlier um there is a a certain presumed phenotype of the genders right males you're tough 
Uh, you quote unquote bring home the bacon. Uh, you don't talk about emotions. You're not touchy feely. Uh, women, uh, and, oh, and you guys provide shelter, right? Um, women, we raise the family. Um, we are all warm and fuzzies. Um, we give hugs, those sort of things. Those are particular stereotypes that we have in society for all sorts of reasons. I think that they can be extremely harmful when we talk about these sort of issues that relate to, um, that could relate to either mental health disorders or behavioral health disorders or coping mechanisms um, that are not um, uh, conducive to maintaining relationships, if you will. Uh, one of the things that when we talked, Aaron, uh, a bit yesterday about um, this podcast that I was so impressed by was your willingness to share the conversations that we have had, normalizing the conversation of how you have handled stress or not handled stress, how you're willing to understand and dig a little bit deeper as to the reasons why you react the way that you do or respond the way you do. Really, really important. Um, there's a concept when... There's a concept in um, psychiatry, psychology, and counseling and thinking about people's responses that are not, you know, considered um, sort of mainstream or normal, if you will, and that's called trauma-informed care. What trauma-informed care is, what are the experiences that you had that were emotionally or physically traumatic that you had in your history that is informing why you are the way that you are? It's, it's not an excuse. It is an explanation. And as we started talking a little bit, and again, I just, I'm not a psychiatrist or a counselor, um, but as we started talking about some of the stories that you shared, just providing you a slightly dip different perspective as to this might be the reason why you reacted the way that you did. And I think um, a really important aspect, especially for, your, uh, for people who are listening is the reason uh, one of the reasons why you're able to share some of the, these um, some of these very deep-seated um, emotions and uh, open up uh, dare I say the word vulnerability with me is because we created um, we created a relationship that was based on mutual trust and respect and that I also recognize as a physician can be very very hard for patients to find that in that treating physician where you feel comfortable to be vulnerable and trust. I recognize that, but it's one of my guiding principles as a physician is to create relationships in which my patients can trust me with the most, their most vulnerable um, and sincere aspects of their, their health so I can help them. Well, you definitely broke in with me, but I, you know, as we're, as we're discussing this, I mean, you can imagine, Frank, we have the same friends. When you hang out with a group of wolves, wolves probably aren't going to sit around and talk around the campfire about their feelings, right? So, um, and not to say, I mean, I wouldn't, I would do anything for, for Frank or Luke or Cody or Alex, but I'm not probably going to be able to sit down and be like, hey, man, I'm, I'm having some, some issues with my temper. They're generally going to probably come back, you know, like, don't be a pussy. That's a general response from men, um, which you probably come back would you mm, not necessarily i, I was know. just gonna say I, <laughs> don't prejudge you'd actually i think you might be surprised yeah well no and i I'm, i might be because i know a frank which i highly doubt would ever happen but if frank ever said hey i'm having some issues by all means i would talk to him but there's a diff big difference between frank and i talking to each other that have no fucking idea what we're doing other than <laughs> audiobooks and podcasts uh and me talking to you who yeah. could could dissect it and 
the one thing I have definitely realized, and, and this is over time, there are things that happen when you're young that you do not realize are affecting you for the rest of your life. Like, um, Frank, what made you so tough? You know what I mean? Military training. And I'm not saying this to, if you dig around somewhere in there, we're going to find out how you're mentally able to handle what you're able to handle with no military training. What is it? Are you, are you smart enough to figure it out? Cause I'm not, <laughs> but you're, and, I, and I'm saying this obviously, and you are one of the tougher people I've ever met with zero ass whoopings from the military, but you can, as I say that you're not a violent person. I'm sure you're capable, but you're not, when I say that, you're not going to go uh, cruise up and down the gut and beat the fuck out of people for general principle, right? But right. you are very able to hand yourself physically. What got <clears> you there? I don't know. I think uh, like you and Eddie Gallagher were talking about, I don't, can't remember if you were recording or not, but I think people are, like he was saying, just a product of their upbringing and childhood. And I think when I was in my high school years, I was an angry mofo yeah. a lot. And <laughs> I just, I didn't have, I don't think I had a bad childhood at all. I think my parents did a pretty good job where they could, but uh, <clears throat> I think uh, them breaking up at a certain point when I was like in high school in those influential years, I was like really pissed off yeah. as a kid. And then um, some shit I won't like necessarily talk about a lot, but uh, I think my mom like put my family through a lot of weird shit. So that kind of made, uh, made us have to be a little tough. Yeah. Well, and I, I think those are the things <clears throat> like when you started talking with me, there's things that my dad did to me that I didn't realize till how much it had built up, um, which I'm not going to go into these stories, but I think I had told you one where I pulled him out of the car as a, mm -hmm. as a full grown adult mm -hmm. that I didn't realize. I mean, it was a horrible situation. When I say horrible, he made it a very horrible situation that stuck with me for, I mean, my whole life. I mean, a lot of things like that. And so for me, it's kind of like, okay, I think the the violence and anger never come from my my position from a bad place, meaning I'm protecting the company or protecting Frank or McKenzie or someone here, my wife. I have definitely choked the fuck out of two different people that were beating their kids. One was actually in an archery range. Uh, when I say beating their kids, now people don't take that out of context. I have no issue with a kid getting swatted on the ass occasionally, but there's a level. I've never had to hit Kaylee. I've, ne I've never had to. And going back to my childhood, I was hit all the time, like mm -hmm. with two by fours and shit. Like, I mean, and it's like, okay, well, I had to go to anger management when I was a kid from so many assault fours, um, from, from fighting. And I'm sure there's going to be kids from my hometown listening to this and they're like, oh yeah, we were bad. Well, the one time we, we sat down, they, you had to talk to a shrink and it was very clear to me at a very, at 17, they said, when you have a dog and you beat your dog. The dog's a flight, fight or flight mentality. That dog's going to cower down to anything or it's going to become a very violent dog. And the shrink said, you've chosen fight. Like, do you, do you, and obviously this is for us in the military, do you run towards the sound of gunfire? When you see things pop off, do you run away or do you run at them? Because I would save my childhood, I run at violence. And I'm not, again context i'm not saying this to be a billy badass i'm saying this so people understand the issues they have i don't and frank you've probably seen it i don't run away from confrontation that's my fucking childhood i mean that's a hundred percent my childhood because you had to be tougher and confront the issue or keep getting you know beat down to mm -hmm. so to speak mm -hmm. um frank like you you are mentally able to handle being alone a long time i would say that's a one in a million 
uh, trait. Like, how many people do you do you know, Frank, that can handle staying 14 days alone on purpose <laughs> and prefer it? Not a ton. No, I seriously, there's not yeah. a ton. How many? You can't name one. Personally, I don't know. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there, but personally, not a lot. But answer the question, Frank. How many people <laughs> can you name one? Probably not. Okay. He has a hard time. Uh, and well, I'm not saying that to well, brag for Frank. Right? I can do it, but not like Frank. And I'm very oh. open about that. I have no issue going 14 days in the backcountry. But if somebody said, if Frank's like, hey, can I come along? I'm like, oh, yeah. Frank, I was like, Frank, do you need my help? He's like, no, I want to be alone. <laughs> that's a big difference. And, and that is a big you, difference. I would say that's pretty true i mean when i say true i don't have any issue with i can take it or leave it i can go if we had a contest i'll go forever but if somebody said hey can i jump in and, and i liked them i'd be like oh yeah come on in where frank i'm like hey if i tag out early do you want help and i'm assuming this isn't because you don't like me he's like no i prefer to do, that's your 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 deal you want to do it on your own not very many people are like that and that's 10 12 14 days that came from somewhere you didn't just shit that out and eat a mcdonald a burger and it implanted in you i mean that came from your childhood and that's the stuff you and i talked about because i literally remembered you brought something up and i immediately was like and i was doing this and i didn't even realize it and it was shit i hadn't talked about in a long time and so hopefully people listening in i guess with this what i would say find somebody they feel comfortable with and, and be able to open up. And you can talk about that now because I have to go pee. <laughs> the overshare is pretty spectacular, both on the podcast and on uh, personal cell phones. So, uh, <laughs> for phone calls. So, again, just to emphasize the fact that Aaron and Frank, you guys are both willing to sh talk about these things is so important because we haven't normalized the conversations of, um, of mental health. And I'm not saying that, that Aaron has a mental health disorder or... Uh, or that mental health disorders are rampant. What I can say is we have an epidemic of um, society where people are not able to think um, kindly about uh, situations that they're in. They're not able to have a degree of self-awareness that their reactions to stressful environments um, are certainly products of not only our relationships that we have with people or uh, both good and bad reasons, but also our lived experiences. As as you said, you know, we are products of our our uh, family and how we were raised. And so, having this conversation, I think, is really important because I know as a as a physician, um, we do have an epidemic of mental health disorders, and there are all sorts of resources that are available nationwide. There's um, two resources that I will share with you guys um, that you can um, provide to your listeners, um, in particular for me, um, recognizing that uh, we have an epidemic of suicide right now, both in, in military and ex-military and the general population. So I want to share that information, but I think it's just important to begin having these conversations, finding somebody that you feel comfortable with, finding somebody that you trust. Um, it doesn't have to necessarily start with a healthcare professional. Um, but it needs to start somewhere. Being able to have those conversations, I think, is just, um, it's a really important start. And I'm just very appreciative that Aaron is, was willing to yeah, to talk about this because this is, um, we have to normalize these conversations in order to be, be become a better society, become better people, become better people for our family and better people for our friends. Do you need to add to that, Frank? <laughs> No, I, I just, I agree for sure. Um, I was listening to Doc Pete the other day uh, with, it was an old podcast he did with Kevin Owens and uh, 
basically said the same thing like from his military side he he noticed a lot of the those he works with these badass tough dudes and um they didn't really have anybody to talk to that they trusted but they trusted him and he would he could you know talk to him about their experiences and kind of allow them to to um vent a little bit and kind of let things go or let things out that they've been holding within for so long so he was kind of saying the same thing like normalizing just communicating and talking through your feelings and uh letting things out it's not necessarily a sign of weakness it's more a sign of growth i uh, I agree one of the main reasons that i wanted to get you on here was i don't know how many guys frank that have gotten a hold of you whether it be dieting hey you know they've we they've lost weight because of us or i've had multiple people you know, and I'm not, obviously, I'm happy you you can contact me any time that we're looking at suicide and had messaged me and, and Frank and I or, or, or one or the other or both or I or whatever had changed their life to whether it be archery, picked up a bow and it changed their life was the last thing I want is if I could have got a handle on this earlier, which we're working on now, like you said, growth. I would have liked to, um, because I have dealt with this violent mood swing thing. And I say that it's not, um, it's not like a bipolarism. It's a certain thing kicks it off to where I'm not saying I still wouldn't have been angry, but I could have gotten a hold of it, understood it and adapted maybe, or whatever you want to call it for people listening in. Because anytime, like we talk about testosterone replacement, a pile of people are like, man, I'm 43 and I'm tired. And, uh, we had, um, Caroline on who's, um, like a chiropractor, dry needling. It helps when we talk about it because you like growth. It lets people know they can open up as well. That was the main reason I wanted to do this because I know I've, I've struggled with sleep. I've struggled with a lot of things. And the other thing is under certain situations, and I, I am very blessed and, and I'm happy that I have that ability to, at the risk of sounding like a dipshit, have no fear to protect others. I'm glad I have that. I would like to be able to control that a little bit. <laughs> Here's the problem. Like if, if Frank and, and uh, uh, you know, whatever, Fr- Frank and his girlfriend or Amy or my daughter or you or somebody was in trouble, I very much like the fact that I can turn off any, any fear to a certain degree like, sure. um, because of my past experiences, mostly because of my childhood. The problem that I talk to you in great depth about is when I can't remember, mm-hmm. I would say that's a problem mm-hmm. and when I can't control it. And I got tased once uh, when I was younger. The cop was super cool. Um, <laughs> and that was a kind of an eye-opener for me as well. Um, the, uh, we, we came home from a hunt and, and there was a semi-truck full of all my buddy's shit because his wife was stealing it. And she had filed a restraining order for 10 days. I didn't know how all this worked, but I guess you can file. I could file one against you tomorrow and mm-hmm. for 10 days and then you show up to court and they're like, you're an idiot. And mm-hmm. Go on. So she could steal all this shit. So she's into neighbor's house because we came home early and, and uh, not neighbor's house, like doing him, but like neighbor's house. Cause we pulled in and she ran over there with the kids and I'm very protective of friends. And I'm the, the cop comes and, and he's like, sir, you're going to have to calm down and, or I'm going to have to detain you. And I was like, Oh yeah, you, you are not going to detain me on your own. And I was right. he called his friends and they fucking tased me. And I don't know if anybody's been tased before listening the first time they hit me, um, it just dropped me to my knees, and I was like, "I wasn't shit." And I went to reach back to grab the little Barbie things, and they must there must be a dial on that bitch because the mm-hmm. second time they hit me, I peed my pants. 
And now that did calm me down. I will say I was like, I'm good and I'm done. But the fact I was stupid enough for that to happen, now that situation could have been in a hundred different ways. In 99, I wouldn't have lost it. But if Frank was in jeopardy or my friend, I, I lost it. And having the wherewithal and common fucking sense to know you probably shouldn't piss off three cops and, and not be expect to get tased, cuffed, or thrown in jail, I would like to control that part of this. And that was where I talked to you about, hey, this is why I'm worried. I'm not worried about me or my friends. I'm worried about what's going to happen. One of the reasons I don't go to shows is a good example, Gritty Bowman. I guarantee with everything that's gone on with he and I, if he was stupid enough to confront me, and he cries like a girl, right? I mean, he's like the most feminine dude I know, but it would still be enough to piss me off where, and I've talked to you about it, like, dude, this happens. You hit me with a fucking chair. Like, I will, I think we've talked about that before where I'm like, hey, just crack me in the back of the head. You are, I'm more than certain going to be able to help me control that to where at least if I do it, I can say, well, I knew exactly what I was doing. I didn't black out. I chose to do that. So, and I, and there's a lot of people that, well, I told you, I counted yesterday, 78 people had messaged me in the last three weeks about anger issues. And I was like, holy fuck, we should probably talk about this. So anyway, I'll stop rambling on. No, this is a, I think it's, I think this is a great, it's a great conversation. I will say something that's interesting about social media, um, which I, I think feeds into a lot of the reactivity that people have is you can be anyone you want on social media um, and you can write whatever you want with very little fear of repercussion personally. Um, and so it doesn't help with anger management. Um, it don't, doesn't help with understanding. And so I would just caution people to be thoughtful about what they write and or what they or how they read things on social media. I think from an educational content and connecting people, it's great, but it can be so incredibly harmful, um, just as beneficial as it can be, I suppose. I think on the, um, the social media side of things, like for me, other than maybe a little bit of shit talking, we don't get too... <laughs> aroused from so i mean there's not a whole lot of, i don't i mean occasionally i'll see something that might make my heart rate go up a beat or two but for the most part it's somebody with dorito dust and their you know mm -hmm. man boobs and and uh living in their mom's basement so we just kind of laugh about it but recently we had an altercation with someone luke did more than us that um a very good point is social media has been allowed you to say whatever you want without getting punched in the face not that violence is the answer to everything it does solve a lot of problems or at least the thought of violence mike tyson everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> and i think that um one of the things i think with social media and whatever else is people need to realize within reason unless they're talking about your family or your you know whatever it's just some troll on social media that's probably a burnout in life and is never going to amount to shit so is it really that important it's kind of like people when you're driving, you know, and they'll flip you off. Yeah. They probably wouldn't do that to your face. Yeah. It's uh, anon anonymity. Yeah. There's a certain a bit of it to social media or even like road rage. And, you know, people, they're, they're pretty tough when they're behind a, a computer screen or the safety of their vehicle, but yeah. they're not well, going to say it to you. This happened the other day and I didn't, I wasn't even driving bad, but uh, the guy was in the fast lane, not going fast, not passing anyone. So I got about a car length away and was, I just kind of held my hand up. Like, can you? Can you get out of the way? So he pulled over and he flipped me off. So I just slowed down and got behind him. And I was like, well, this should be interesting. So 
I kind of, we drove for a ways and I forgot, and I wasn't raging. I did it just to be, I'm sure he was shitting his pants, right? So I forgot, right? So I go up to, to Conifer and then I run into to Vitamin Cottage and then Amy says, it's sure as shit, he's at Safeway. And uh, he's like, are you following? He's freaking out. Are you following? I'm like, no, I'm supposed to buy chicken for my wife. And uh, <laughs> I'm laughing because he's a sh- exactly what, I mean, this guy could not beat up Kaylee's younger daughter, the younger sister, right? Like he's literally, and I'm like, and I asked him, I was like, dude, what possessed you to flip off a 220 pound dude in a Ford Raptor while you're in a Honda Accord and obviously equipped to handle a keyboard? Would you do that to, and I asked, you know, it's like, would you do that to my face? And he's, because I'm laughing. I'm like, dude, you are so weak. It, it, it's not even worth even yelling at you. Like, this is comical. But again, you're in the safety of your vehicle. Same with on a phone. People can say whatever they want or on the internet. But when you're standing in front of someone, and I'm not talking about debate, like I don't mind with debating, but there's some horrible things that are said online that are like, wow, we, I can't imagine you would ever say that to someone to their, to their face, which it doesn't really have anything to do with what we're talking about. But to a certain degree, it does, I guess. It does. And it does for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's um, I think people are just forgetting how to relate to each other, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. easier to text via communication um, rather than just picking up the phone. And it, people are, like I said, people are just forgetting to relate to each other, how to relate to each other yeah. um, because of social media. And also it is a venue that people can be whoever they want. Yeah. Um, and that can be challenging. And I, I, I appreciate social media for what it can be in regard to education and distribution of education content and developing those relationships. But it is concerning when it's not used for, um, when it's used to be disruptive or used to be negative. And I think you and Frank have a very good perspective on not taking things seriously on social media, but some others don't. Yeah. Um, and so it can be impactful, I suppose. No, I, and I, I, with everybody listening in, whether, you know, if anybody ever needs anyone to talk to, keep in mind, I am not a doctor and I'll just chit chat with you. Or It is good to, to talk to people mm-hmm. sometimes. And it's something that I have neglected to do for obviously years other you know talking with you or or obviously amy or whatever but it's difficult i i would say for men to admit weakness is Mm -hmm. is what and i say i'm sure it is i'm only i'm speaking for men because i don't hang around with that many women um i and i because i'm very much about empowering women it's just i've hung around mostly men so i'm talking about that it's difficult for men to open up to communicate to talk about things for the most part um and i don't know that there's anything I mean, you don't want to be as a man like a weakling constantly talking about your feelings, but I think when there's things truly bothering you, it's something that's difficult for men to, to talk about. Um, I've tried to work on it more and more and more as I've gotten older to, um, you know, bring up issues or what's going on or communicate, which I think is a good idea. But some people, I think, are so worried. It's like if you shoot a doe and post it online, are you going to get made fun of, right? And they immediately are apologizing for the animal. I think if someone messaged uh, uh, or, or tried to talk to a friend of theirs because they have a whatever the issue may be, mm-hmm. I'm quite certain, and you can dive in, most guys are probably going to be worried. Are they going to be made fun of? Are they going to, you know, what's going to be the response? It's going to take a pretty close friend probably to, to discuss things like that. Yeah. yeah Yeah. well and that goes for anything from marital i get a lot of messages about because i've been married four times 
I have a lot of people message me about divorce and marriage and should they stick with it? And they're, I'm like, look, do you really want to take advice from the dude that's been married four times? Like one of them doesn't really count, but I'm like, well, it's a lot of experiences. Well, the one thing I, I urge people <laughs> do the opposite of this. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, that's as far as me being a decent parent, I did the opposite of what my dad did. And I turned out to be a fairly good parent. I just did everything different than he did. But uh, the five love languages, which is comical. I've read that book multiple times. After I got divorced, no the first shit. I, I, I'm all about self improving, if you believe that. So the first time I got divorced, well, no, the second, um, really married, where I was married to my my ex wife, my my daughter's mom. Um, I'm like, all right, I actually cared for this woman, and I still fucked it up. Like I should really look into. So that was one of the, and at that time I was broke as a joke, and so I'd go to the uh, the library a lot and read. So I got that book, The Five Love Languages. You've never read it, have you? Mm -hmm. I told you to read it, Emily. Uh, I think you've brought it up before. Yeah. See, he didn't listen. Um, <laughs> Jody's it is, read it. What's that? Jody's read it. Yeah, it's good. You know what it helps with? At the very least, you will get laid a lot more because you are going to learn <laughs> to talk to women. Um, <laughs> but what it is, is it's for it's for couples, but it's also true to, uh, and I mean, as weird as this is, handling on a managerial or a, a level of, uh, okay, um, Frank may not be someone that needs words of affirmation. Like you don't really need to ever be told good job. Um, and you may not need gifts, but you like whatever it is. Like everybody has a certain language they speak mm -hmm. um, to where if, if, if Abby and I were together and, and I like receiving gifts as a, that's my love languages, love language, then I'm going to be buying her gifts all the time. But that could be equivalent of me licking her elbow because she wants quality time. And so I am, reflecting my love language to her when hers is different it's no different in friendship or business or leadership like everybody not, may not give a shit that you bought them taco tuesday but they need to be told good job they yep. don't need to be given a gift they need to be told you're doing great how did i explain that very you well. did very well it's all about communication and so, understanding how people like to be communicated and like to be and like to receive feedback in relationships yeah yeah and and how they like to be rewarded as, as well so you should read the book, Frank. Um, I think, though, that if I brought that up to a group of guys that I read the five love languages, I'd probably get made fun of. But the reality is one of the smartest books, one of the better choices of books I've ever read, because most men, when they read it, should walk away feeling like a fucking asshole. Like you as men and some women, but as men, we're not very good at showing maybe the love language that our spouses like um and again boys it, you will get laid more if you read this book that's an ancillary <laughs> benefit so <laughs> your um, relationships will be richer yes <laughs> yes <laughs> oh shit um that's funny i think though that um any type of like the self-improvement stuff some self-improvement is easy to do on your own mm -hmm. some of the issues i'm having are definitely things i'm not going to be able to yeah. tackle on my own. So I think some things it's probably a good idea to, if it's about divorce, probably not a horrible idea to contact somebody who has some experience in that uh, to help get you through it. Because, I mean, I went through that divorce and you were one of the only people that knew. Um, well, it's common law, um, but you were there for the whole, you and Amy. And I would say, how many other people even knew that? Four or five. Like, not many. Not many. Yeah. But I was able to handle it because when I say that, meaning it's not like Frank was giving me emotional coaching every day but he knew what i was going through so he was cool enough as in a bad mood or it was kind of a shitty deal but um 
I've had multiple people. I'm going through a divorce. What do I do with my kids? How mm-hmm. do I? And it's like, well, man, I just try to take my, I try to take Kaylee everywhere with me and they're still going to love you if you're separated. Just don't do, don't neglect. Don't, you know, you're going to lose some personal time, right? You Because now you have joint custody and you're going to have them at certain times and you may want to go shoot your bow, get your kid a bow and, and things like that. And so it's always good to be able to talk about things like this. I, I think anyway. <laughs> I agree. I think uh, self-improvement is starts with having an understanding about yourself, aspects that you want to improve, but there are certain things that you can't do on your own. Um, and so finding those resources, I think, is important. It goes for really anything. It goes for nutrition. It goes for sleep. It goes for you know shooting a rifle or shooting uh, learning you know archery. Um, it starts from within self awareness, and then finding, seeking out help, and um, being receptive to to getting the help that you need. Well, I'm sure from this Personal podcast, growth. there's going to be some funny memes that come out of it. I'm trying to think. Jerry Shaw will probably be the first one to have <laughs> some kind of a hugging meme and talk about your feelings. But truly, um, I it's been a huge benefit, obviously, knowing you and you being able to talk to me and, and working on some of these things. And so if if people are having these issues uh, or some issues, whether it be sleep or, uh, you know, maybe they get too pissed off at their kid. I get that question a lot of where they get out, you know, just like raging angry at their kid. And obviously they know that because they're asking me if I ever, and I never had that issue, but where are some, what would you suggest? Are there any different websites or, you know, what, what's your, what's your feedback for that? Yep. So obviously I'm um, speaking from the lens of a physician reaching out to your primary care. If you don't have a primary care provider um, establishing with, uh, with one, it would be important there's a couple of different um, websites that are available um, nationwide. So one is www.211.org. Um, that is a nationwide um, website that can provide access to resources from a variety of different aspects, both mental health, suicide, um, uh, financial access, and access to um, healthy healthy lifestyles, i.e. nutrition, there's another, there's two other nationwide um, organizations that I think are important um, when we talk about mental health, and that's a suicide prevention lifeline. And so it's www.suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Uh, the second one is suicide, um, uh, excuse me, www.veteranscrisisline, so veterans with an S, crisisline.net. Um, for ex-military, and then there are two other local Colorado-specific um, websites, suicideprevencioncolorado.org and um, coloradocrisisservices.org. Um, so lots of information. Uh, one, one thing I would want to add, uh, maybe a little bit to this, and you've talked about it, is finding the right person for me to, to talk to. Um, what? <laughs> what are you laughing at? Uh, it, well, I know where you're going with this. It relates to the relationships, right? It relates to building tr- a therapeutic rapport and trust. So when you t- had talked about like your family, your, your primary care provider, mm-hmm. mine would be equivalent to talking to Frank's elbow. He's pretty <laughs> fucking worthless. Um, and when I say that, it, it'd be like the, the 400 pound doctor telling you, help, giving you health advice, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's my primary care provider who I've met twice. I'm sure he's a great guy. 
he was never in construction, never in the military, never, never in a, a realm that I find where, where Frank and I would find at home. Probably not a guy I'm going to trust. Sure. Whether that's my fault, which I'm sure it is, and, but I need to, you know, I need to relate to the person in some mm -hmm. way, shape, form, or fashion. And so one thing that I am finding out, because out of all people that I've talked to about this, you're the one person I connected to and opened up to, is if you don't like the first one, don't give up. Just yes. quit talking to the first one. Uh, <laughs> that, that's where, because I told you, I'm like... I have not had great luck talking to shrinks and you're like, I will find you the right one. What you're talking to people mm -hmm. now, um, the person that Frank might talk to about something may be totally different than the one I do. And I gave up on it and you had encouraged me not to, to give up to, 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 to you, I just need to find the right one. So I, I would say don't give up, which I did. I totally just said piss on it and, and, uh, cause I, I just didn't talk to the right person. So that is something I would suggest is finding the right person is very important. Yeah. Uh, yes, if the first healthcare provider, therapist, counselor, physician, uh, nurse practitioner, physicians, et cetera, et cetera, if there isn't a good rapport, it's not going to be helpful to you. So, but uh, I appreciate it. Don't give up. Seek out, um, get a referral, seek out somebody else. Frank, do you have anything to add to that? Um, <clears throat> I'd say maybe something I would want to work on myself and other people could probably do the same as maybe just uh checking up on your friends every once in a while say hey dude are you doing all right because i think that could help a little bit for everybody um and that just goes to the same like you're saying like it's kind of weird for maybe our friend group to do that because we're all a bunch of hardened yeah. <laughs> fucking neanderthals <laughs> but i mean that could go a long way for for anybody you know you don't know what somebody else is going through unless you ask right and it's kind of hard for dudes like us to say uh to ask somebody for help, help. does not come out very yeah. often yeah, yeah. Will you help so, me? so checking up on your friends yeah not a bad idea you never know um reaching out having that phone call getting together going to get the range etc you don't know um, what life you can actually change. Well, and I think just taking your best, which is very difficult in this day and age of rather than attacking someone because of their point of view, discussing mm -hmm. it, uh, having a, a, a discussion about it is very difficult for, for people. It's, it's, you, you, can't, you, you can't believe in the views of some things that Biden does and something that Trump does. Well, Biden may maybe not be the let's say Obama. Some things Obama did and some things Trump did. Um, because there's you can't have that discussion and say, yeah, they're probably both right. You know, there's a you know what I mean? Like there's a guy I talk to just about every morning who who voted for someone that I couldn't believe uh personally, but we have intelligent conversations. We uh -huh. it, no problem. People aren't capable of doing that, usually because it's so extreme, yeah. right? And again, like we talked about COVID this morning. And you're a person that is um, up to date. You're a doctor, right? Mm -hmm. you, you know what's going on. And so we're giving you our point of view. And you're like, hey, I'm not telling you you have to take the vaccine, but I am going to tell you what I know, which is a normal conversation. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? Like you are instruct informing us. That shit doesn't happen nowadays very often. There is no polite conversation. You can't even no. talk about footwear without some dickhead diamond in or camera gear. I thought the outdoor industry is bad. <laughs> Get on a photography <laughs> forum. I, and it's like, guys, it's a lens and a body, a camera body. Is it really worth yelling at each other over? But it, it happens. And so trying to be 
more kind to your better man or to your man or, or a better person to your fellow man should be what we work on. Uh, I think to probably, I mean, like I said, you never know whose life you might be changing that day. As I say that there's a few people I'm not going to be better. To <laughs> I can promise you. But most people I do. I try. Uh, yes, but you can, you're starting with being better to yourself. Yeah. Then that mm, way I don't kill huge. them, and that's important. <laughs> well, that, that is important. Kill them with kindness. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And <laughs> Just kidding. Our, our t- what was the safe word that we decided on? Singular, one syllable? I can't even remember because the first one I thought it was peanut butter, and then you were like, no, it's got to be one syllable. I can't, I can't remember what it was, so I'm not very good. Well, <laughs> actually, when we're uh, on that note about like being kind to your, you know, your kind to your fellow man or woman or, or whatever, I think that, um, in, in this day and age specifically that when, um, someone knowing the full story, knowing again, like I get a kick out of it. Anytime, like I brought up on a couple podcasts, I had a temper immediately. I had people message me being dickheads. Oh, it's the steroids. It's the testosterone. It's whatever. Oh, that one forum Kafaro must not be doing well. You're stressing. And it's like, <laughs> Okay, I mean, you know, we had Eddie Gallagher on. How many people jumped to conclusions about Eddie Gallagher? Um, not saying Eddie's a saint, but I mean, as far as what happened to him is tragic. How often do people now actually research and I mean, look for what's going on rather than just jump to, jump to conclusion and start shitting on their fellow man or woman? It's, it's actually quite maddening some days. I use, this, uh, I use this term a lot or this phrase a lot that um, people tend to react more than respond. Yeah. And I think that if people took the time to be more thoughtful um, and actually understand the differences between reaction and responsiveness, that people would be less likely to jump to conclusions based on very little information. And that happens a lot nowadays. A like, lot. Mm-hmm. We had to alter the video with Dana's goodbye video so people didn't think one I fired her or two she quit. The fact that we had to do that, and I <laughs> yeah. talked to Dana about it. I was yeah. like, "Look, there'll be rumors that you got fired mm-hmm. or or I or or you quit." And I said, "I wanted to do a goodbye video, but let's alter it to explain what's going on. That this was a mutual decision mm-hmm. because of the the hate train, the the immediate oh she, you know she must have sucked. They had to fire her. Oh she must have hated it working for Frank and Aaron." Which obviously none of that shit was true. So we had to do a video and alter it because of the public, which is fucking pathetic to me. It's like, um, and then there's, there's other, you know what? I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I think the sad thing is, is that you're never going to be able to make everybody happy. And so I think just beginning with that recognition, I think is important. I think that, uh, you know, as we've talked before about, Kafaro as a business and the mission, vision, and values of Kafaro is something that I have always um, appreciated and respected even before I got to know you, Aaron, or or got to know Frank. Um, and the commitment to education and spreading that information um, for archery hunting and being in the backcountry um, is is something that I truly value and something that's Two things that are important is being in the mountains, being in wide open natural um, spaces is actually incredibly therapeutic. There's a whole body of scientific evidence that says it's very therapeutic. And secondly, um, if you think about archery as a sport, 
Um, it's an individual sport. Um, but if you think about it and think about the steps that you take when you take the shot, and I recognize that for both of you, it's muscle memory. But as people begin to start, what do you start with? You start with your stance, you hold, you put on your release, you raise um, you know, your, your left or right arm, whatever, your stabilizing arm, and then you take that breath, and then you focus on your target, and then you release. It's all about body mechanics. That's also incredibly therapeutic. That's biofeedback. And it's one of the reasons why I've come to love archery so much, because it is biofeedback and therapeutic and stressful. Yeah, I would say, and I got to get off pretty quick. Yeah, I'm that's to... why uh, I go on my solo trips. There you go. There's, there's, <laughs> that's, that's your explanation. I, Thank I you, Dr. Abby. <laughs> I will say that uh, that's what I was going <laughs> to, I'm more excited about, and I, there's multiple, I love whitetail hunting. I don't mind hunting, you know, like, but the, the most excited I ever get is a very long distance backpack trip. Mm -hmm. One is the reward, you know, it's a yeah. physical exertion, but I'm introverted. As cr I don't like people a whole lot. And so I'm able to stay away from people minus running into Frank. I mean, um, which I usually he kills like f day five or six and then he helps me after that. But it, it, you know, I mean, some people want to live in a city in New York. I mm -hmm. can't believe that where I would choose to live in a population of about 10 people. And, you know, in the case of Frank's obviously the same. I mean, he's back there and, and it's therapeutic for him. And that's kind of your yearly prove to yourself kind of challenge and that's that's your deal as you like being back there alone yeah well speaking of the therapeutic part do you ever notice like say like you're glassing or something and like lay on your back and you look up at the sky mm -hmm. and you're like damn i haven't done that in a long time yeah especially like, well wow, that is pretty therapeutic just like kind of brings you back to being a kid almost yeah the life we live right now yeah. specifically is pretty pretty wound for sound and so you talk about smells and reminders and things like that. Mm -hmm. Like this, a white gas stove reminds me of my childhood from backpacking. And there's certain things to smell when uh, in the in the morning of certain you know habitats or ecosystems that remind me of my childhood, or in in a good way, not a bad way. Um, and I, I think that um, you know I'll do this until I can't do it anymore, and then I'll have to have somebody carry me in on a horse. But it is it is very much a um, a reboot for me to 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 be in the the mountains as much as I am is a good a good reboot and and I don't think Frank's any different as far as that goes. Otherwise, we might you know start killing people if we. It would be difficult for me to not go into the <laughs> woods for two to three years and not you know it would be difficult. I would have to reinvent myself. Like I wouldn't know what I, that's all I've ever known. So yeah. I wouldn't even know what I would. I guess take pictures. I don't know. I mean, it would be it would be weird. You'd be so. a very stressed person. Yes, I would. Um, Frank punches his clown a lot, so that, that takes out a lot of stress. <laughs> <laughs> stress reliever. Isn't that clinically proven? Uh, She's a doctor. She can tell you. Wow. I don't, personally. <laughs> Actually, when I get out of the shower, my wiener is the cleanest part of I my know, body. That's a uh, uh, okay, there we go. That's what I thought it was. All right. Very good. You know what punching your clown was? Uh, well, I know what spanking your monkey is. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> yeah. What was the other one? Flogging uh, your... Flogging the dolphin. The dolphin, yeah. <laughs> uh, on that note, I got to get... I got a Ecamm interview website. I got to do an interview here in a minute, so we should hop off. But Abby, I can't, I can't thank you enough for coming on, but also just the help that you've uh, given me. And, and I'm very appreciative, probably more than you know. So thank you so much. And then thanks for dealing with us the last yeah, hour and 40 You're minutes. always looking out for us. We appreciate it very much. Of course. Well, this has been a lot of fun, and I appreciate uh, your willingness um, both of you to talk about this and normalizing this conversation and been a, been a pleasure and, you know, the entertainment that I get from
both of you and uh, and Luke. I'm going to put Luke in this category. It's just it just makes me smile every day. That's how our relationship got closer. Was Luke stitched me, and she said, oh, "What the fuck Jesus. are you doing? Why didn't you have me do it?" And then that's how we, that's really was yeah. the beginning yeah. of you and I talking. Did he do it right? No. Oh no. Okay. Jo- <laughs> Jody says, "Abby, come look." <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, well, he doesn't call me Abby. Boo, come look. Uh, Luke is suturing up Aaron, and they come walking over there. I'm like, "What the <laughs> fuck is going on?" <laughs> There's a needle nose pliers oh, involved. Yeah, we got it. How done. did he sanitize yeah. it all with a lighter? I or? did it with a lighter and alcohol, <laughs> oh. but it healed up pretty good. It took about three months to heal. Ah, uh, that's yeah. a horrible spot for a freaking cut. Man. Yeah, yeah. So, well, no, well, I'm glad he did stitch me because then you probably, if he wouldn't have, you wouldn't have called me a dumbass, and we wouldn't have become as close as we are. So, see, it was a good thing he it's stitched true. me. Yeah, yeah, sure. All right. Well, on that note. (laughs) Oh, Lord. All right. right. Well, everybody, uh, thanks for tuning in. Please stay open-minded. Be kind to your fellow person unless they're an asshole. Um, And then (laughs) look at Abby laughing. (laughs) And, uh, And Abby, thank you again for coming on. Of course. Thank you, guys.